Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 36 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And um, I would like to thank all of you for listening and sending in all your questions. Um, I'm overwhelmed by your positive feedback. Thank you so much. And again, if you are confused about anything regarding Islam, if there is any issue that you know find that it's basically I don't know questionable or uh, you know troubling to you, please um, uh, address it and and let me know, and I will get back to you inshallah as soon as possible. And again, that that that's the whole purpose of the podcast. I, I want people to know the truth about Islam. Um, nothing else. That's my sole purpose from this podcast is just to let people. People know what Islam truly is. That's it. That's all I, you know, that's all I, I want. And that's, you know, what I hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would help me uh, fulfill. Now, uh, if you have any questions uh, or any, you know, thoughts, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I'll get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. And with that being said, uh, let's talk about, uh, uh, let's discuss today's topic. And today's topic basically is very uh, simple. It's it's we, we we started talking about it last episode, which is basically um, what makes uh, a Muslim a non-Muslim. What takes someone who's who is a Muslim out of the fold of Islam? What makes you a not a non-Muslim after you were already a Muslim, right? And w- w- and I remember in the previous episode we discussed the the definition or what is it. Who who are the disbelievers in Islam? You know what is a disbeliever? What is, what does it mean, right? Uh, so uh, we discuss that, and then in today's episode, we'll move on to the things that a Muslim would do that will make them um, not a Muslim anymore. But before we talk about the, we list those things, right, that are mentioned from the Quran and Sunnah, I would like to remind everyone that there are guidelines for a Muslim uh, becoming a non-Muslim. For example, if you do something out of ignorance, it doesn't count. That doesn't mean that you're not a Muslim anymore, right? Like you have to do something and you're not lacking knowledge nor intention. So if you have both the intention and the knowledge and you do one of these uh, things that we're about to discuss, then you actually have become a non-Muslim. And you, for order for you to become a Muslim again, you have to retake your shahada, the testimony of faith, which is ashadu anna la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna muhammad rasulullah. You have to actually say that again with the intention of becoming a Muslim again. And here's the thing I want to... One last point I want to point out before we move on to the actual uh, uh, points, uh, the nullifiers, basically, of Islam, which is th- the last point that I want to point out is that when you, we, 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 we mentioned this before, when you're, if you're a non-Muslim and you decide to become a Muslim, you decide to revert or convert, whatever, you know, uh, whatever the term is, uh, to Islam, we 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 acknowledge the fact that like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that every sin you've committed anything you've done that was negative before you uh made the testimony of faith before you became a muslim will be wiped clean from your records it, you will have a clean slate basically right so it, you will literally be like the day you were born can you subhanallah for non-muslims who become muslims the day they become muslims it's like the day they are reborn or they, they're born again. And basically, they're, they will held, be held accountable for things from this moment on. 
right? So anything bad they did, anything, no matter how crazy it was, a major sin, whatever, it's wiped clean from the records. And please, for those of you who are thinking about becoming Muslims, don't use that to say, well, because I've actually had a friend of mine who, uh, alhamdulillah, she became a Muslim now, and uh, she took her shahada recently, uh, who was joking about saying, oh, well, let me wait a little bit longer to do whatever I want, and then, you know, become a Muslim. But that's not how it works, because unfortunately, you don't know when are you going to die. And you would really rather to die as a Muslim. Again, this is according to our faith, because the 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 sin of shirk or associating someone with God or not being a Muslim is the only sin that Allah can never would never forget. F- forgive my bad. Um, now, so we said that you know, for non-Muslim to become a Muslim, they have a clean slate. Unfortunately, unfortunately, and this is related to today's topic, it's vice versa. But in a bad way. How? When you're a Muslim and you uh, uh, you uh, become a non-Muslim, right? You you get out of the fold of Islam, whether intentionally, uh, I mean, whether you did one of the nullifiers or whether you actually on purpose don't want to become a Muslim anymore, right? Your all of your good deeds that you did as a Muslim are wiped away, like are wiped out from your records. Clean slate, but this time it's a negative way. Clean slate from the good deeds. Clean slate from the good deeds. So for those who uh, have the intention, have the knowledge, and they become, they get out of the fold of Islam, all the good deeds are gone. Now, let's say that they want to retake their shahada. Unfortunately, it doesn't come back to you. It's not like it's going to be saved in in, in, in in some sort of like safe or, you know, like a folder that or whenever you come back, you're going to have, be handed it again. That's not going to happen. What's going to happen is when you retake your shahada, you're going to just have to, you know, rebuild all of your good deeds all over again. And yeah, it's it's a serious thing. It's a very serious thing to get out of the fold of Islam. And yeah, that's that's how it is. Same thing. Again, it's a blessing for the non-Muslim to become a Muslim. Because whatever they did before before Islam, it's not there anymore. And it's a nightmare for a Muslim who becomes a non-Muslim because anything good, imagine this, every prayer you did any type of prayer you did, any type of good deed, uh, charity, uh, good uh, uh, behavior, anything you did is not going to be in your records anymore. The thing is, beca- being a Muslim triumphs anything else. It trumps anything. It trumps anything. Like whatever you do, being a Muslim Again, like we said, it gives you the clean slate because you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger and all the messengers that they were sent. Same thing, being a non-Muslim, it's the worst because it doesn't matter how good you did. If if you did it in the name of Islam, go ahead. It's not there anymore because you're not a Muslim anymore. Now, also, I, I, um, I was asked a question like, what about people like, okay, so to be clear, every... Every faith believes that people from outside of that faith will, won't go to Jannah or won't go to paradise. So Christians believe that unless you die as a Christian or believe in that Jesus Christ is the you know, Lord and Savior, you're not going to go to paradise. You're going to go to hellfire. Uh, Jew, uh, Jews, yeah, they believe in the same thing. 
uh, every you know like uh, I think uh, Hindus they have they have the same belief and you have to believe in one of their gods and, and, and whatnot. Muslims are the same. If you're not um, a Muslim, if you do not die upon Islam, then because again, shirk is the greatest evil of all time. Nothing beats shirk associating someone with Allah, disbelieving in Allah, basically. Nothing beats shirk. Nothing in this world, can you believe this? Not a single sin could beat shirk. Why? Because if you die upon shirk, unfortunately, that's it, game over for you. No, sec- no second chances, basically. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows many, many of us, Muslims and non-Muslims, his signs in the world just, just to believe in him. Because that's your chance. You have your whole life to believe in Allah. He's been sending you messages, signs, and whatever. And this is mentioned in the Quran. We're going to show them our signs in the horizon. Meaning it will be very clear to them. But not everybody will accept. A lot of people will reject. And that's the world we live in right now. A lot of people will be like, I'm too comfortable. A lot of people will be like, well, but I was born and raised as a whatever, X religion. You know, I, my family, I can't do this. This is going to be so so hard. And you know, this is so many, you know, traditions and beliefs that I'm not willing to change. And I'm not willing to change my lifestyle. I don't want to wear, for women, I don't want to wear a headscarf. I don't want to wear a hijab. Uh, for, for, for guys, I don't want to stop drinking. I don't want to stop dating. I don't want to stop doing this and that. So it becomes really a matter of convenience. You don't want to get out of your bubble. And some people legit don't believe that Islam is the, is, the, is the true religion. They legit are very passionate about their own religion. But here's the, here's the beautiful part about Islam. When you're introduced to Islam as a non-Muslim, let's say we're talking about non-Muslims, open your eyes a little bit. Just open your mind. Open your mind a little bit. And look at the logical sense of Islam versus the logical sense of any other religion. Open your mind. Islam actually doesn't ask you to close your mind. You, you guys have to understand, those, of you, those, of, 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 you know, those people who claim that Islam is a backwards religion. By the way, any religion is a backward religion. Any religion, period. Because a religion that's not backwards, a religion that fits every day and age and fits the society, fits the culture, is not a religion. Any modified religion you know, um, that's, you know, that's get, get, that gets modified to fit the current society or the current culture uh, norm is not a religion. It becomes culture. Religion has to stick to its own values. And subhanAllah, Islam, the values of Islam, we can live in any, ta- any era, like 1500 years later after Islam was revealed. Guess what? It's perfectly okay to live as a Muslim and in a non-Muslim society, community country, whatever you want to call it, and practice your religion, live normally in harmony with people from this community, from this society, and life goes on. You know, you go home, you pray five times a day, you read Quran, you you, you worship Allah the way you should, and Islam doesn't tell you, oh, you can't deal with other people. No, you go, you go to work, you go to social, you know, gatherings and whatever, family gatherings and whatever, go to movies, go do this, go do that. You live your life normally. Islam does not contradict living a normal life 
because some people think, oh, once I become a Muslim, my life is over. I have to, you know, lock myself into the in the house. I have to, you know, grow my beard and like uh, d- turn off the lights and just be there, you know, reciting Quran day and night. No, that's actually not true. Islam, Allah subhanahu wa taala wants us to be exposed to the world, deal with one another. You know, Allah subhanahu wa taala created us what tribes, different tribes, so we can get to know each other. We need to know each other, whether we're Muslims or not. We need to deal with each other so we can have more knowledge. So actually, this is how Islam would spread in a good way. By dealing with one another, by letting people seeing how beautiful you know, Islam is being manifested in your character. When you're a good person, they know that you're a good person because I'm a good Muslim. You know, when you're helping people out, yes, you're doing it out of compassion, but also because Islam tells us to do so. When you pay for the poor, when you're like fighting for these, like, you know, for against the injustices in the world, you know, when you're fighting for the helpless, Islam tells us to do all this. It's an obligation, if we're capable, of course, to do so. It creates a better community, better world, to be honest. And at the same time, really shows what islam is truly is so back to now um the points which is uh like we said once you become a non-muslim all unfortunately your good deeds are gone from your records and you have to you know start all over again if you decide to you know retake your shahada and and and, uh, and so forth now the nullifiers of islam the, th- the stuff that m- that get you out of Islam, that take you out of the religion of Islam, right? The nullifiers of Islam, let's discuss the first and the big one. The biggest one, which is shirk. We talked about shirk, I think, billion times now. So I hope that the listeners or those of you who are just listening for the first time, we mentioned before that shirk. We actually had a whole episode um, I forgot, I'm sorry, I forgot to know uh, which episode it is, but I, I, I'm pretty sure there's a previous episode that uh, dealt with, uh, that we were talking about uh, what is shirk, defining shirk, and because and, and, shirk is the greatest sin of all time. Nothing beats shirk, nothing does. All right, oh, I think, oh yeah, here we go. It was episode number 15, for those of you, it was season two, um, but yeah, in general, it was episode number 15. Uh, what is shirk? So, for those of you who don't know, who don't know much about shirk, or you know the the definition or the implications of shirk, please go back to that episode and, and listen to it. Um, now, shirk is. Look at this. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentions in the Quran that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala forgives anything. Now, when you die, let's say that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala actually encourages us to do a lot of repentance. Right? A lot of repentance. We repent to Allah, we beg Allah for forgiveness, and Allah forgives us. If He wills, of course. But He's telling us, I am going to forgive you. Some of us die upon not repenting. Some of us stop repenting at a certain point in time. Some of us die upon um, major sins that we never repented from. What happens to us? Because you have to understand, death comes many times, or, you know, all of a sudden, we're not prepared for death. Yeah, you know, not every you know, not everybody who dies will be informed that they're gonna die in a, you know, due to like a certain condition or you know a certain disease or some people just die in a car accident. Then what happens if you didn't repent for bad things that you've done? Because they don't get 
magically they don't magically disappear from your records they're still there and that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about I'm willing to forgive anything if you die upon anything anything Allah is willing to forgive it except except for shirk if you die upon shirk Allah is not even gonna nothing that's a big deal look at this in an authentic hadith by the by the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam um, uh, the Prophet ﷺ narrates something called the Hadith Qudsi. What's a Hadith Qudsi? A holy Hadith. A holy Hadith is basically something that's narrated by Allah. Allah said it the way it is, but it's not part of the Quran. So that's what a holy Hadith is, right? This is one one type of Hadith. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Yabna Adam ma da'utani wa rajautani ghafartulak." Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says in that Hadith, "You make supplication to me. You pray." To me, for 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 me to do something to you, you know, or for you, you make du'a for me, or you, whenever you repent, whenever you repent, I will forgive you, and I do not care. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala basically is telling us that's not a big deal to me, to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. You make du'a to me, you repent. I'll forgive you and I don't care. Meaning what? It's not a big deal. <laughs> Forgiving you, oh, ch- oh child of Adam, oh human being, is not a big deal to me. Because think about it. When you wrong someone that you know, whether it's your boss, whether it's your coworker, whether it's your best friend, whether it's your family member, whoever, wife, spouse, husband, sometimes when you... Uh, wrong them really badly when you do something bad to them it's so difficult for them to forgive you so difficult and it's a big deal and when they forgive you it's still a big deal some some of them don't even uh, forget what you did that happens it's a human nature but because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the ultimate forgiver you know the ultimate merciful what what, what is he telling us you do, you do whatever you do. You repent to me, I'll forgive you. I don't care. It's not a big deal. Not a big deal. Look, look, look. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is continuing. Ya ibn Adam, O child of Adam, law Look at this. If you have sins as much as the eye could see across the horizon, or like basically, you know, as, 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 as much as your eyes could see in, in the sky. You see like if you're standing somewhere and you can literally like see a huge portion of the sky, you know, almost up until the horizon, until your eyes, you know, break the sight. So Allah is telling us, if you come to me on the day of judgment with sins, the amount, the amount or the size of this, what you eye could see. I will forgive you and I don't care. He's saying, I will forgive you and I don't care. He's also telling us, on the day of judgment, if you bring me, if you come to see me, you know, on the day of judgment, with sins the size of this entire earth, the planet earth, Look at this. Look at this. This is key. This is the part. 
if you come to meet me with sins the size of planet earth and you didn't commit shirk i will forgive all of those sins i will forgive you for those sins and i do not care and look 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 and i will give you the same size the same size of earth forgiveness yabna adam innaka law ataytani biqurab al-ard khataya thumma laqaytani la tushrik bi shay'a la ataytaka biqurabaha maghfira beautiful wallahi hadith o child of adam if you come to me on the day of judgment with the size of this earth sins but you never committed you did not commit you did not die upon shirk you don't die upon shirk i will come to you with the same size of earth with forgiveness filled with forgiveness so you're going to come to allah with the size imagine this whole planet filled with sins as long as you don't commit shirk allah will bring you the same size of forgiveness that's how forgiving allah is except for being a mushrik you cannot commit shirk that's allah's only rule believe it or not it's allah's only rule subhanallah and it's 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 a golden rule if you commit shirk can you die upon it now here's the key guys if you're a mushrik if you're somebody who associated someone with allah but you repented and you became you know monotheist or, or you know like you took the shahada became a muslim you're, you're good don't worry about that i'm sorry we're talking about only those who die upon shirk they will there was there'll be no jannah for them there's no paradise for them it will only unfortunately be hellfire as bad as bad this is but you have to think about it you have to think about it because some people might be like well, is it worth it why would somebody get you know they committed shirk for what 60 years let's say of their lives they died they died at the age of 60 why would they have to spend eternity in hellfire that's not fair here's here's my counter argument for that if somebody kills somebody murder right if somebody kills somebody whether would you know stab them or whatever shoot them whatever the the, the, the tool is do they get how long did they t- did they take that the murderer how long did the murderer take to kill the victim a second two seconds five seconds how long did this whole thing took five seconds does that mean they have to spend prison they, sp- they have to spend five seconds in prison because it's fair it's the amount of the sin or the same period of time where the sin took place uh, that person has to spend the same amount of time in prison or being punished no it's the size and the severity of the sin the severity of the sin that could make someone either die you know like a death sentence or life sentence they spend a whole life their whole entire the rest of their lives in prison for a crime that took five seconds or even less is that fair absolutely why because punishment is giving due to or based on the severity or the severity of the sin of the crime so if your crime was and the biggest crime that a human being can the the worst crime that any of us could commit is shirk 
So spending eternity is actually the appropriate amount of time. You know what I'm saying? But again, this is, if you are exposed to Islam, exposed to the truth, your mind thought about it, but you just didn't accept it. You were too arrogant to accept it. We're talking about, but we're not talking about those who don't know anything about Islam or those who, you know, we don't talk about that. We're talking about those who were well exposed. Allah shed the light on Islam in front of him and they just chose to look the other way. Right? Okay. You know, Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him, Prophet Ibrahim, on the, you know that his dad died as a mushrik, right? As a disbeliever. He did not believe in Allah. He was a pagan. On the Day of Judgment, actually, Prophet Ibrahim السلام, will come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he will tell him this. He will ask him this. Oh Allah, didn't you promise me happiness on the Day of Judgment? And Allah did promise Ibrahim that he will make him happy on the Day of Judgment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he will, he's going to you know, continue that question. Then he's going to say, then why are you throwing my father into hellfire? This is Ibrahim is basically begging for his dad, for his father, to be taken out of hellfire. Look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say. Subhanallah. Ibrahim, I forbade Jannah. I forbade Jannah upon the people who committed shirk or kufr or disbelief. I forbid Jannah on them. Like they can't go to Jannah anymore. And I'm not going to break their rule right now. Of course, Allah will make it up to Ibrahim and everybody who's, you know. But when it comes to shirk, Allah does not negotiate. There's no bargaining with Allah. No matter if you were even Ibrahim or say our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Remember, we talked about this before that um, his uncle Abu Talib died upon shirk. I think two episodes ago. And he was the nicest uncle and he loved him so much, our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Yet. Unfortunately, he died as a mushrik. He dies as a pagan. Allah won't forgive him. And as as um, as a gratitude from Allah to the Prophet, not not a gratitude, my bad. As a blessings from Allah, or as a what's the word? Um, as a favor, or as you know, like a you know, like a bonus kind of thing from Allah to the Prophet. He said he's gonna put his uncle Abu Talib in the lowest level of hellfire where only the bottom of his feet will be in the actual hellfire, will be in, 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 in fire. But here's the funny part. It is said that the day will come when his bottom feet, that when he enters, when Abu Talib, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, enters hellfire, and he, the bottom of his feet will be, you know, stepping into hellfire. And look at this. His brain will be, his head and brain will be boiling from the amount of pain and from the amount of fire. And he's going to think that he's in the worst place. Even though technically, realistically speaking, he's in the lowest, the least severe part of hellfire. But that shows you that hellfire is not a joke. <laughs> that shows you guys, my brothers and sisters, that it's not a joke. Yes, we don't see it right now, but it's there. It's actually there already. Allah built it. It's not like Allah is going to build it on the day of Jannah. It's already there. You know? And Jannah, paradise, it's already there. But it shows you that hellfire is not a joke. That the, the lowest, the least severe part of it, where Abu Talib, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, will put his feet in it, 
he's gonna think this is the worst part of hellfire this is like the most uh severe part of hellfire that shows you that even the that the lowest level is so bad that people will think it's the worst level that's shirk for you unfortunately that is what it is that is it's it's the worst sin any human being on this in this world or in this existing could ever commit it's that simple now we move on to number two number two uh so now we we covered shirk now we move on to using intermediaries to worship allah you know uh stuff like confessing and and uh um you know confessing your sins and you can't just directly go talk to allah that's you're using an intermediary between you and allah and actually in the islamic world some sects some sects of of, of the muslims they use intermediaries like imams they put them in like um, a divine uh imma right like they some imam they were like oh this imam is so blessed he has a connection with allah he's like divine so I, I i'll only confess to the imam and the imam will talk to allah you're literally putting an intermediary. Same thing as what pagans did. They believed in Allah, but they had um, idols that they had to go worship and, you know, complain to. So they think that the idols will talk to Allah. That's shirk. You're still associating someone with Allah, right? And you're putting an intermediary between you and him. You can't do that. That takes you also out of the fold of Islam. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the chapter of Qaf, Surah Qaf, he says what? وَلَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ وَنَعْلَمُ مَا تُوَسْوِسُ بِهِ نَفْسِهِ وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ حَبِلِ الْوَرِيدِ Allah says what? I created mankind. I know when the shaitan whispers to them or yourself whispers to you. I know what's in, in yourself. I know what you're thinking. And I'm closer to you. Allah now is talking to us as human beings. And I'm closer to you than your jugular vein. That vein in your neck, your jugular vein. Allah says, I'm closer to you. Ask me for whatever you want. Repent to me. I'm you don't need to go confess your sins to anybody. You don't need to go uh, pray to uh, an idol. I'm right there. I'm closer to them than their jugular vein, which is literally in your neck by your neck. It's like so close, Allah, to you. And yet you go choose to pick people or tools or statues or whatever to confess or to ask for to make dua or to you know ask for something or ask for repentance. Where is your mind? Because you're doing this. You're literally undermining God's ability to be everywhere. Like Allah to see everything, to hear everything. Like you're basically denying the fact that Allah could hear you. Anytime. Any place, anywhere. You, that you're denying it. By going and asking someone to do this on your behalf, you're like, what are you thinking? You know what I mean? Allah's capable of anything. And Allah told us, Allah listens to every single human being, every single animal. Allah listens to everything. He's Allah. He's, he's the creator. He's God. He has no limits. And he sees everything. So if you're worshiping a Lord who sees everything, who hears everything, why do you go to some other human being or some other creation 
to like talk to them and thinking that they're going to deliver the message on your behalf. You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. Now, let's say that, for example, I'll give you just a simple example, like, you know, in a workplace, right? Let's say that you hired someone and you, you know, uh, they work for you and you pay their salary, you pay, you pay them a really good salary, right? And then you found out they're actually not doing any work for you, they're working for someone else. And here's the worst part. Not even that, they're not even acknowledging that you're giving them their salaries, that they're living from, they're opening, you know, they're having family and they're using their salary to, you know, live their lives. They're not even acknowledging that you're doing that. And they still get, you know, and after all this, they still, they are still getting paid by you. How would you feel? How would you feel? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us, gave us life. That's like basic. That's like, <laughs> that's it. If, if that's, that, that should be enough. That's the basic of the, you know, or the basis of anything. Not basic, my bad. The basis of anything, life. Not just that, he gave you a brain. He gave you intelligence. He gave you limbs, you know, hands, eyes, senses, whatever. He gave you intellect. He gave you uh, a job, an ability to, you know, obtain a job or to get a job. He gave you a family. He gave you a salary through people. This is all through people. Allah doesn't give you anything directly except for, you know, life. And, and even life, it goes through marriage and, you know, um, and, 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 and your parents, you know, getting together and whatever. But like, again, it's all through people. But who's giving you all these things? It's Allah. Then you don't even acknowledge his existence. You don't even acknowledge what he does to you by either committing shirk or you know, using intermediaries between you and him, saying, uh, no, I'll worship this, this, this idol, and I'll praise them, and then they could deal with you, oh Allah. Imagine this. Isn't this just straight up weird? It doesn't make sense. It's actually you're committing injustice against the law. You're not being fair. I just want to point out something before I move on to number three, which is uh, shirk has two types. We have major shirk, and I mentioned that also, I think, in the shirk episode, but I just want to gloss over it really quick. We have major shirk and minor shirk. The difference between them is that the major shirk takes you out of the fold of Islam, which is, again, associating someone with Allah, uh, makes all of your good deeds, like we said, to be invalid. Khalas, whatever you did before, uh, before shirk uh, from good deeds and that doesn't work and uh, ban you from inter-jannah if you die upon it now minor shirk doesn't take you out of the fold of Islam and basically uh, the deeds involving the minor shirk won't be valid only the deed involving the minor shirk and you spend eternity in hell you won't spend eternity in hellfire you know like it's 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 totally the opposite of major shirk it's still sinful still a problem but nothing close to actual shirk, right? Now, um, I want to give like some examples of minor shirk. And we do this a lot. But like, you know, um, like we have verbal minor shirk. If you swear by someone but Allah, man halafa bi faqad kafara aw ashrak in one of the two uh, hadith. If you swear by anything but Allah, by the way, if you say some people in, in, in the Arabic culture, they say, Win Nabi, 
meaning by the Prophet. You know? When Nabi, don't do this. Wahiyat abuk, wahiyat ummak, by the life of your father, or by the life of your. This is all minor shirk. Because you only swear by Allah's name. You only swear by Allah's name. Billah alik. That's the right way to say it. Billah alik. Right? Do not say anything else. Do not swear by anything else. Also, another minor shirk is like when you tell someone, somebody, let's say someone um, is about to get you a job, right? Someone is about to get you a position in a company, in a nice company and whatnot. Now, you can't go and tell them, hey, I'm, by the way, man, I'm, I'm relying on Allah and you. Like, you know, and that actually happens, you know, I'm just going to depend on Allah and then you, on you. Now, you can't put Allah and you in the same sentence because you're equalizing or making them equal, the person and Allah, and that's not fair. Allah is the one who's going to get you the job through that person if it was meant to be. You could say, I'm relying on Allah, then you. Again, I know it's minor details, but it actually increases your faith, believe it or not. Because you knowing that everything comes from Allah will automatically make you pick the right words. Now, again, we said the intention has to be there. Don't, don't freak out. Like, you're not sinful if you say it and you didn't mean it. You know, or you just forgot or whatever, you know. So don't, don't, don't worry about it. Islam is a really uh, flexible religion. It's just, it puts guidelines and rules, but they're not impossible. They're so simple to follow. And the more you follow them, the more you want to follow them, the more your faith will, inshallah, increase. And the second type, so these are the verbal types of minor shirk. The second type of minor shirk is actually actions. Like what? Having the evil eye that you think that it's going to protect you. Some people just wear the evil eye, put it in their house, houses, thinking it will protect them. Who the hell is going to protect you? It's Allah, not a, an object. Do you understand what I'm saying? Who is going to protect you? It's not a, a, a piece of metal or it's not a piece of like, you know, uh, art. It's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So why are you depending on this? Whatever, the five fingers, which is again, again, something like with the envy. It's it just, it doesn't make sense. So yeah, that's basically the minor shirk. It's really that simple. There's actually a, a, a third uh, type of shirk, which is, so we have the major, the minor, and we have something called the hidden shirk. The hidden shirk is, is a very simple type of shirk, and it's very, very dangerous. Which is what? Which is showing off. Basically, that's the hidden shirk. You're showing off. You're praying at your best because people are watching. That means you don't acknowledge that Allah watches you every time you pray. Think about it. Because Allah does. He watches you every in every step of, of the you know, since you were born until the day you die. That's why you have to be fearing Allah in all of your actions. But you know, sometimes we're, you know, performing a beautiful salah, khushur, everything. We're doing everything because we know someone is sitting watching us. Some other human being. You know, we spend a lot of charity because people are watching. Yeah, I need to, you know, people need to know that I'm generous. Not gonna, that's actually a type of shirk that's called the hidden shirk because subconsciously 
You're associating someone with Allah because you're doing it for them. You're not praying. You have to understand. You can actually, here's the beautiful part about Islam. Here's a really uh, positive thing about this. You can switch or turn every every single action you make, you commit, into worshiping Allah. Believe it or not. How? Okay. When you go to sleep, you, you, all you have to do is just infuse or just put the intention right there. You go to sleep and you, you know, put the intention, I'm going to wake up to pray Fajr for the sake of Allah, so I need to sleep. Do you not have my strength? You take good deeds just for sleeping. You know, you provide food, you cook, for example, dinner, you know, for your family. And with the intention of, I'm building a good relationship with my family for the sake of Allah. I'm trying to do something good to please Allah, cook for my family. Your cooking dinner will turn into good deeds and you're going to get rewarded for it. Believe it or not, a smart Muslim could literally, just by installing the intention, could turn every single action into a worshiping worshiping Allah and you can s- benefit from every single action you know when spouses get together when a wife gets with a husband and her mind saying or thinking I'm gonna do this so my my husband you know won't be tempted outside and won't commit any sins and I'm doing it for the sake of Allah to please my husband she gets good deeds same thing for the husband I'm gonna you know please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by you know uh, pleasing my wife and you know giving her all her needs and whatnot and for her not to look outside and you get good deeds for it can you believe this eating drinking doing this doing that you everything you could do in your life could turn into worshiping allah you could benefit good deeds from it that's all all you have to do is just intention that you're doing it for the sake of allah so when you do something for the sake of people it's the opposite you're not worshiping allah you're committing shirk, a heading shirk. It's not the same as major shirk. Don't get me wrong. But it's a type of shirk. It doesn't take you out of the fold of Islam. But you don't get, get good deeds for what you're doing. So technically, as if you're not praying. And that's a problem. That's a major sin. Not a major shirk. It's a major sin. You know? So to be clear, the major shirk, the shirk that literally takes you out of the fold of Islam and Allah will never forgive, is when you publicly associate someone or, or you know like f- officially associate someone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically worshiping someone else but Allah or someone else with Allah you know but like the minor the minor shirk and the hidden shirk these two are forgivable by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they're not under the category that what Allah when Allah said I'm not going to forgive shirk Allah did not mean that he meant only the major shirk just to be clear about this part okay you know a beautiful um a very beautiful situation happened and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed a verse regarding that situation which is one of the companions came to the Prophet sallallahu and asked him is Allah close to us so when we make dua you know when we make supplication for him uh, we make it with a low voice or is he far away that we you know have to you know yell a little bit or shout you know or have make it make our supplication with a loud voice which which one is it O prophet of allah then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually reveals a verse responding to this and allah says and this is a very famous verse in, in the chapter of the cow or the baqarah وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِ فَيَسْتَجِيبُ لِي وَلِيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يُرْشَدُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if somebody asks you, he's talking to the Prophet 
if one of my servants, my slaves, the human beings, ask you about me, I'm close to you. Remember we said the jugular vein? I will answer your prayers when you make those prayers for me. When you make the dua, I will answer. I'm so close to you and I can hear you. Don't don't yell. Don't sh- I can hear you. You whisper. You're thinking it. I can hear your thoughts. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. You know what's really interesting? Shaitan likes to uh, make people feel like they're very insignificant. So they need to use intermediaries to talk to Allah. Or to ask Allah for stuff. Or to repent to Allah. That's what shaitan loves to do. He loves to make you feel that you're very insignificant. You're just a sinner. You're just a sinner. You're born as a sinner. You'll always be a sinner. Who are you to ask Allah directly for stuff? That's what shaitan loves to do. The devil. Satan. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us, talk to me directly. That's why you need knowledge, my dear brothers and sisters. You need to know what your your rights as a Muslim, as a human being. Now, that don't mix this with when you're, for example, a Muslim and you're asking your brother or your fellow Muslim, hey, can you make dua for me? Can you pray, you know, ask Allah to, you know, help me with, with my test or, you know, help me with my exam? That's fine. That's not putting intermediaries because you're not depending on that person because you don't think that you're too insignificant or you're too much of a sinner. No, you're just asking, increasing the dua. You're making dua yourself and you're asking people to make dua for you as well. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. What's wrong is when you think that you never, you can never talk to Allah directly and you need someone to do so for you. That's a problem. But when you ask people, hey, can you make dua for me? That's absolutely fine, by the way. And I, I want to end with this. Again, we're not even, we just like we just talked about two points because there was a lot of stories and a lot of introductions, but it's fine. I know, I know we're going to take our time with this, but it's really important, right? Uh, um, so someone might tell you and might debate with you, right? And say, hey, okay, when you want to ask a president or a king for something, can you go directly and ask him or you have to go through a procedure like asks proper people, you know, your representer or your, you know, ask, call the office or call whatever. Isn't that how you're supposed to do it? Well, your response to that could be easily, you can't, number one, compare Allah or God to a president or a king. Doesn't make sense. President or king, they're human beings. Allah is not a human being. That's number one. <coughs> Now, the human king or president doesn't know who I am. You could, that's how you could answer. They don't know who you are. That's why I need someone to brief them about who I am and what my needs are. But Allah knows who I am and Allah knows exactly what my needs are. So who would, I don't need to brief anybody. Or nobody needs to brief Allah. Allah knows it. You know, Allah knows who I am. Allah knows exactly what I need. Now, Allah, uh, the pre- let's say the president or the king, they need those intermediary kind of people 
so they could you know tell them about what's happening with the public and whatever so their kingdom does not fall or their country doesn't fall Allah doesn't need any of this nobody can take down the kingdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for any reason or under any condition Allah knows everyone knows everything knows how to handle everything sometimes a president or a king doesn't know how to handle things their decision might be wrong or their um uh the people their assistants those who take your uh, your request or those who take your your need and you know give it to them they could also make the wrong decisions people who work in the government they could make the wrong decisions well some might argue they mostly make the wrong decisions but point you know my point is clear allah doesn't make wrong decisions because allah knows everything and he can solve everything if he wanted to or if he wants now it's it's really simple having intermediaries is a sign of imperfection do you understand like because the president is not a perfect human he's he's a human being he makes mistakes he might not know many things or might know some things and it's he has imperfection or she has imperfection and that's a sign of that's why they need helpers they need people to you know organize the requests and 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 the questions from the public it's a sign of imperfection but allah is perfection allah is perfect in every way he doesn't need help when allah created this world he didn't need our help he never will need our help if we all die vanish the entire human race that will affect Allah. How? Will never affect Allah. Zero affection on Allah. Zero percent affecting Allah. This won't affect Allah in any way. Now, on the day of judgment, certain people will be able to intercede. We're going to get to that on our behalf. Like the Prophet and righteous people will be able to intercede on our behalf on the day of judgment. Again, this is not intermediaries. This is Allah is giving some blessings to certain people to, you know, as long as those people who are us, we're the one, you know, being interceded uh, for uh, or on behalf. We depend on Allah completely. They're just going to do it because Allah allowed them to do so. But this is a topic for another time. I just want to, so I want to just, you know, summarize what I just said right now, which is, it's very simple. Two things, the first two things that will take you out of the fold of Islam is shirk, only major shirk, only major shirk, right? And putting an intermediary between you and Allah, putting someone between you and Allah. That's it. That's it, which is also a type of shirk, major shirk. Next time, and uh, I, we're, I'm going to try to move uh, a little bit quicker, but I just love to tell stories and give an examples because it makes us understand a little bit more. But uh, hopefully we're going to finish. I don't know if we're going to finish next time or maybe the time, like the, the episode, next episode or the episode after. But we have a lot to talk about. Like, I think next time we're going to start with calling people disbelievers. Uh, this is like a throwback to the you know this uh, previous episode, uh, uh, calling people disbelievers and 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 not wanting to call people disbelievers, or should we even call them disbelievers, or how do we go about this? This is going to be inshallah in uh, the next episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.